podcasts on WLRN are funded in part by Make-A-Wish Southern Florida, whose own podcast, World of Wishes, features inspiring, uplifting, and memorable stories from wish kids, their families, medical professionals, and more. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The neighborhood was created just over 100 years ago for black workers who serviced the trains passing through Miami's railroads. Railroad shop, colored edition, uh, is ingrained in my memory. That community, Railroad Shop Colored Edition, was established around 1917 in Alapata. The Florida East Coast Railroad had a repair shop in the neighborhood. Dorothy Bendros Mendengal lived in Railroad Shop. My mom cleaned houses and my daddy built construction. My family is a family from Alabama, which means their family members picked cotton. So to get to Miami was to get to the promised land and to be able to live in a place that seemed to tell the story of such great promise. Miami had only been a city for about 21 years when Railroad Shop was established as a neighborhood. And as the city grew, word spread throughout the South and the Bahamas that there was land to clear, roads and railways to build, sewers to dig. Black labor built Miami's foundation. My dad and his brothers came to Miami, and uh, my family was left in Alabama. And um, we have an aunt who's passed. We call her our um, Harriet Tubman, because she would come back and get a few, bring them to Miami, and set them up, then come back and get a few. The neighborhood spanned from Northwest 46th Street to 50th Street, from 12th Avenue and to 14th Avenue on the west. Bendros Mendengal was four years old when it happened. I was skinny with just big, big eyes. And um, one of my older brothers running and knocking on doors and telling me just to wait there. My mom was at work and my daddy was at work. It was August 1st, 1947, around 10 or 11 on a muggy and bright morning. Miami police officers on motorcycles surrounded the neighborhood. Her big brother took off to tell the neighbors what the officers told him when they knocked on the door. To let everyone know that they had 20 to 30 minutes to remove everything out of the houses that they owned and that they would not be given any more time to get them out. Railroad Shop had been around for 30 years at this point, when suddenly the families who lived there were being evicted with a few hours' notice. The bright morning gave way to a drizzle and then a downpour. I just remembered the ending. The day the police came, Geraldine Owens was also a child. And the ending was on my birthday. Her sixth birthday wasn't a celebration. It was storming. And my, my grandfather, Malachi, he refused to move. I remember, I remember this big, fat, white police and he had a shotgun. And he had on beige pants and, and he had that shotgun. And, and he, he called my, my grandfather, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Malachi, you got to go, you got to go. And I was just crying, Papa, 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 he gonna kill you, Papa. I thought he was gonna kill him. And my sister and brother, they stayed on the porch, but I was right there with my grandfather. 
and and he kept pushing me back, go back, and I was crying. It took just two hours to put 35 railroad shop families out of their homes in the rain. Their land was being seized through eminent domain, the power for government to take private land for public purposes. This was a common tool used over and over again to take Black-owned land around the country. They had taken, you know, things and blankets and sheets and stuff, put it on the front porch. Appliances, furniture, clothes, everything was set out in the pouring rain. And then the police locked the families out of their homes. They had boarded everything up. When they were done, the officers posted no trespassing signs. That night, some families slept outside in front of their homes with all of their belongings. Others crashed with friends and family in different parts of Miami. The families who owned their homes in the railroad shop neighborhood were paid for their property, but far less than what it was worth. Some were paid less than 70% of the value. A few were able to move their homes, physically move them on flatbed trucks, to Coconut Grove or Carver Ranches, now West Park in Broward County. But Railroad Shop, the community created for the families from the rural South and Bahamas who built and serviced Miami's railroads and trains, that neighborhood was demolished. Bendros Mendengal says the families got this explanation. We're going to need to move you out so that we can build schools. That was true, but it wasn't the entire story. Railroad Shop Colored Edition had been an all-Black community that was otherwise surrounded by an all-white neighborhood. And those white neighbors wanted their Black neighbors gone. This was an organized effort by white neighbors who used their political connections to get rid of something that bothered them, that this Black neighborhood was too close. They worked with the school board, they spoke with the city of Miami, they lobbied them until these two government bodies agreed to listen to their constituents and take the land through eminent domain. At that time, all white neighborhoods started to be considered less valuable if they were too close to a black neighborhood. And finally, on August 1st, 1947, the city of Miami and the school board conceded to the demands of their white constituents to kick out these 35 black families, to build an all-white school and later a whites-only park. The black families ended up in different areas like Coconut Grove, Overtown, and parts of Southern Broward County, like what we now know as West Park. And the small, tight-knit railroad shop community was broken apart. Bendros Mendengal's family moved to Liberty City. We lost everything. We lost everything. She's in her 70s now. She was three when her family was kicked out. They would tell her stories about the two-story home she didn't get a chance to grow up in. We all lived in one big house. So one of my nicknames was the Big House Baby. Her parents rented out rooms in the big house to other Black families who came to Miami for work. On Sundays, the neighborhood would come alive. Families dressed in their finest church wear worshipped at either Reverend Pugh's church or St. Stephen's Baptist Church. The buildings were a block away from each other on 48th Street. The cemetery was two blocks down. A regular hangout was Nat Hutchinson's Bar and Fish Market. The railroad shop area was considered the suburbs back then. Some of the homes had five and six bedrooms. 
One of them was where Geraldine Owens lived until her family was put out on her sixth birthday. It was a nice house, big house. Every room had a window. And, you know, the, the front porch on each side, you can open up and you just always saw light in our house. We had big tin tubs, yes, and we had the outside toilets. The kids in Railroad Shop played under the canopy of large fruit trees growing in nearly every yard. A grapefruit tree, an orange tree, a lemon tree. We had tamarinds, bananas, mangoes. The peach mangoes were the best. Even the fruit trees were condemned when the city of Miami and the school board took their land and tore down the homes. And then the trees were sold. The Railroad Shop Colored Edition neighborhood isn't one of the better-known stories of Miami's history, but there was one person... Georgia Jones Ayers. Georgia Jones Ayers. Georgia Jones Ayers. ...who insisted that this moment that erased the neighborhood never be forgotten. It was Georgia Ayers who was the first to mention Railroad Shop Colored Edition um, in a kind of public way that I had heard. Nathan Connolly met Ayers while doing research for his book, A World More Concrete, Real Estate and the Remaking of Jim Crow South Florida. He's a historian and professor at Johns Hopkins University. And he says Ayers always carried a piece of railroad shop history, physically carried it all the time. Pulling out of her purse um, a, a deed that showed that her family had been living in this community, which was along the, the tracks that had been you know, laid down in the 1890s. Ayers was a dominant figure in Black Miami and activist circles. She was born in Railroad Shop, a fact she told almost everyone she met. She carried that worn and aging yellow title to her family's land with her, to commission meetings, dinners, family functions. It was always near. The reality of a person carrying you know, an 80 to 90 year old document on their person, in their bag, where they went. Like, like, that, like that to me was again another marker that this was a deep historical moment that Georgia Ayers wanted to be sure there was no confusion about. For a long time, she threw reunions for railroad shop families, decades after they were thrown out of their homes. Inside this book, you have uh, signatures and addresses of families that uh, came to attend the reunion. From 1977 to 1985, the Curry family, the Bassett family, the Davis family, the Johnson family, the Jenkins. Deborah Jones Taylor is Ayers' daughter. She grew up going to those reunions. This is the Negro National Anthem that they did at every, every, every time they met. <laughs> Georgia Ayers gave the reunions a name. She called them Keeping in Touch, and they always included a formal program with speakers from the old neighborhood. Dorothy Bendross Mendengal would also go to those reunions, and she says, though they were bittersweet, the fellowship was soul-filling and the food was everything. Lots and lots of good Southern and Bahamian food. The 
islands. Uh, you have your peas and rice, you had your avocado, then you would have your stewed chicken, then you would have your ribs, then you would have your cornbread with your syrup. One of the last reunions happened in 2002. It was the 55th reunion. A footnote in that program reads, little did that white racist community surrounding Railroad Shop and that racist city of Miami Commission know. By then, the all-white neighborhood that fought to keep Black people from living near them was long gone. Over time, with white flight, the area had become predominantly Black. Georgia heirs wanted the families of Railroad Shop to be fairly compensated for the land that was taken from them by the city of Miami and the county school board. Heirs' daughter, Deborah Jones-Taylor. She asked for the families to, to actually be given their, their children and all to be given because a lot of the families, they struggled. They would um, try to get together and raise funds to help each other. But so far as funds coming from the county or the city of Miami, no. Her mom never did get the reparations she envisioned. But before Georgia Ayers died in 2015, she got an elementary school in Alabama renamed after Lenora Brainin Smith, the first African-American teacher of the year in Florida and a former railroad shop resident. And Dorothy Bendross Mendengal, the four-year-old whose family was kicked out of their home in the railroad shop neighborhood on that rainy August 1st in 1947, 63 years later, she ran for a seat on the school board, the same school board that evicted her family. The leaders of tomorrow can be found in the classrooms and on the playgrounds of today. It is our duty as a community to ensure their success today and in the future. Ben Dross Mendengal won that election and has been a school board member for 10 years now. The day she was sworn in, Ayers showed up with some words for the school board members. She told them, you know, I know there's a God. Look at that little chocolate girl sitting up there that you all evicted. Well, Georgia Jones Ayers was known for telling what she thought. She said, now, how do you feel? Every month you got to look at her sitting up there knowing that you put her family out of their homes. It didn't matter to Ayers that it was more than 60 years later, and this was not the same all-white school board that evicted the railroad shop families. As far as she was concerned, the school board would always be responsible, no matter who's sitting up there. Bendross Mendengal, new to the school board, pleaded with Ayers to tone it down just a little bit. And the other board members tried to reassure Ayers that they weren't like that old school board. Because someone said, Miss Ayers, we love her. And she would look at them and say, that's BS. You don't love anyone that looks like me. Why? Because maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't have this story that we are telling today if you really did love us. We never forget. And we don't want anyone else to forget that we went through that. For Ayers, it was a small piece of poetic justice to see Dorothy Bendross Mendengal, the big house baby, in that school board seat. Causes us to sing our favorite spiritual. My soul looks back and wonder how I got over. From those roots, many of us are professionals, doctors, 
lawyers, you name it, and of course, elected officials. We are the children of Railroad Shop Colored Edition. Ayers was 86 when she passed away in 2015. Bendross Mendengal wanted to honor her former neighbor and champion of the railroad shop neighborhood. Before she died, Ayers had given her some clear instructions, punctuated by expletives. Georgia told me, point blank, I don't want a so-and-so thing from that so-and-so school board named for me. This time, Bendross Mendengal says it was her turn to do what she wanted, no, no, no. She said, as long as I live. We went to the viewing, and I found a few people from Rio Rocha. I said, you know what I'm going to do, don't you? They started laughing. I said, I'm going to name that school for her. And one of her nephews said, ooh, and Aunt Georgia going to get you. I said, she's have to get me. I said, but we cannot allow certain things to go unnoticed. She deserves that school. Look where it's located. That school, Alapata Middle, sat on the land where Ayers was born, the land she carried the title to for decades, land that was taken by the school board in 1947. In 2015, just a few months after Ayers died, at the school board meeting that would rename Alapata Middle for Georgia Ayers, one by one, people she had shared her story with stepped up to the mic. The first time I ever met her, I was a lowly, uh, a system public defender, and I made the mistake in a meeting of calling the school Alapata. Mm -hmm. And uh, she reminded me who had lived in that area, the horrendous thing that happened uh, in that area that was perpetrated against citizens of this community. We extend our full support in the renaming of Alapata Middle School to Georgia Ayers Jones Middle School. Thank you. Bendros Mendengal says, Renaming the school was important, but as a descendant of enslaved people in America, true justice would account for what happened long before her family fled the grueling cotton farms in Alabama to settle in Miami in Railroad Shop Colored Edition neighborhood, only to be evicted. I believe there is something owed. I believe something is owed to all Africans in America. I believe that because we worked free for over 400 years. We are owed a rightful and righteous compensation for all of the work. Dorothy Bendros Mendengal says the work she does as a school board member will always be in honor of her family and the other families of Railroad Shop who were put out of their homes in 1947. I am here to help those get what they didn't get. Justice is everyone having an education, everyone having a home. That's justice. Most of the people who lived in Railroad Shop have passed away. And gone with them are many of the stories of this neighborhood, forced off of land they owned and loved, and having to rebuild suddenly with little or no help. That's a story that has been replayed in other Black communities. And in Miami-Dade, Railroad Shop Colored Edition was one of the first. I'm Nadege Green in Miami.
Podcasts on WLRN are funded in part by Make-A-Wish Southern Florida, whose own podcast, World of Wishes, features inspiring, uplifting, and memorable stories from wish kids, their families, medical professionals, and more. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.